Hi, everybody. It's Gustavo, the host of the Enabled Disabled podcast. We have a very special episode for you today. We have Faye and Adam, who are my dear friends, the co-founders of Enabled Disabled and some brilliant people. And we thought it was time to have another session where we talk about what's coming up next for EDP, what we're thinking about, what we've learned, some good reflections. So a quick introduction of myself or description of myself. I'm a middle-aged Latin American male. I have dark brown hair. It's combed to the front right now. And I am wearing a navy blue polo shirt. I am in my living room and there are some blinds and beige drapes behind me. Adam, welcome to the show. This is your first time here. Give <laughs> us a, a brief description of what you look like in, in your room. All right. I am a... Uh middle-aged Caucasian male. My gray hair looks a lot less funny than it did in high school. Uh, wearing a dark brown shirt, sitting in my office, and behind me is a picture of roses painted by my grin. Nice. All right, I'll do a quick introduction as well. This is Faye, and I think I was thinking like Adam and I should probably call each other. We're the co-producers of the show. Uh, and uh, so I am <laughs> middle-aged. I'm in my late 30s, almost 40. Uh, Asian American. I was born and raised in Beijing, China, where I very much consider home still. And I am in my office uh, in Western Mass. Uh, I am, oh, long blackish brown hair and wearing a, a kind of a sweatshirt my mom designed. And I'm sitting in a room also filled with her paintings all around me. So and uh, I have a gorgeous view of the golf course and nature uh, every single day. Amazing. So I remember, let's let's hear from Adam first, because Adam, it's awesome that you're joining us here and, and people haven't heard from you before, um, at least on the show. From where we started to where we are now, where do you think the key, like, changes in your perception of what we're doing, who we're impacting? How did, how have you seen that like evolve over the last year and year and a half almost since we've been doing this? I have to say that for all three of us, we're people who kind of think about the big ideas and being very frank about it. When you and I first started talking, we know you of course had your own experience of disability. You had your own opinions, but we didn't know whether we would be able to engage. Uh, we didn't even know who we talked to, would they talk to us, and how would it be taken up? And I've got to say that that was almost immediate, whether that's luck or just other people's spirit. But that started from the beginning, uh, and things have really moved on from there to where it seems that you're engaging on the actual episodes, listening to guests, drawing them out, sharing the message, and then also getting involved, you know, so-called in real life, outside of broadcasting, with working with other people and, and partnering with other people. So. I don't know which are ready to be talked about yet, but uh, those parts are pretty exciting. Uh, I say we talk about all of them. So yeah, we haven't announced it yet, but uh, very recently I was invited to be on the board of directors for Omnium Circus. And I know that Faye and Adam, you were on that call when Lisa invited me to do it. And it was absolutely incredible and unexpected. Um, and it, I don't know where it's going to go, but what I do know is the more I learn about Lisa, her ability to lead, her ability to 
surround herself with good people. And the more I learn about Omnium, the more impressed I am. It's really a tremendous organization and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. So yeah. Faye, where, where, where have you changed? I remember the last time we had this conversation a while ago, um, Ryan Gebauer really impressed you. Um, you had some, some interesting interactions with different people, but where, where have you seen the evolution happen and what are you excited about? Yeah, I'm just excited about all fronts. And, you know, we had, you didn't know what to expect when we started this project. You know, Adam and I have been friends with you uh, for a while and we want to be so transparent about the excitements as well as the challenges associated with this endeavor, in particular podcasting. And we knew we're trying to build a community, connect with people and share their work. I'm really excited about um, potentially, you know, continue the track of sharing voices that need to be heard, um, namely people who identify themselves uh, with a disability, as well as the rehab centers and hospitals to really um, shed some light on the work that they're doing and, and to share different voices for people to realize that the support systems are there. I am in a very recent conversation uh, with someone, you know, people I have been passing hearing people to say, you know, here is a single mom, here's a person uh, who is living with a disability. Where do you find all the, where do they find all these resources? So of course we're privileged where all three of us are highly educated and we live in places where there are a lot of resources, but what if people don't and people didn't grow up or brought up in such a way to know where to even look for these resources, how to negotiate, how to not to take no as a no, but maybe not yet or not right now. So my thinking ha ha has evolved a lot around that, but also absolutely learning so much from so many people living with a disability. Um, so, so much to cover today. I will, I will stop. <laughs> no, keep going. And so where, were you surprised by either this question for both of you and were you, did something that happened in the last year, like really take you by surprise, whether for the good or for the bad, like where were the expectations? I know we didn't really have a lot of expectations moving in. We were just like, let's try this out. It's important. Let's see what happened. But where was that first, you know, moment of, okay, we're onto something here, or this was a pleasant surprise that I wasn't expecting? Either one of you jump in. Right. So I could answer that as asked, but I actually want to come at it from a slightly different angle uh, to make sure we get to this because I may admit it have too many turns. Uh, when you and I knew each other through the other business that you run, and I brought up the podcast, and you said something that really has surprised me looking back, which is, look, I've, I'm running this business. There's only so many hours in the day. Uh, and I'll, I'll say it, I'm tired. I put all my heart into this. I don't have time for a podcast. I don't have resources. I don't have energy and I don't have time. And then you and I went back and forth. You know, I nagged you a little bit, this and that happened and you made the decision to do it. What's been most surprising to me and, and really joyous to the point where you know, I still get choked up thinking about it is how that energy has kind of exploded in you even though there, of course, are not more hours in the day than there were then. So what I would ask you is, and this, I don't think this is about people with a disability as much as it is about busy people or people who feel like their resources are already stretched thin, whether it's because they start with few resources or it's because they're working at a high level in that area, but they're also taken up by family and business and, and life. So for you to speak to other people who might think, I want to do this thing that would light me up 
but uh, what's you, what has your experience been and what would you share with them that could help them either determine whether it's a good idea or get them off the mark uh, to start? Because that's just been surprising, seeing that explosion in, in your energy level and your engagement. It's a great question. Um, it wasn't, so it wasn't like that at first. I definitely, there was that awkward stage of learning how to podcast, learning how to get better at it. I haven't mastered it by any means, but I, it's it feels comfortable now. Like it feels like something that, I've grown accustomed to, I know how much effort it takes. I know what to do. Um, where I think intuitively, I think I was led by my intuition, which is take this leap of faith because good things are going to happen. Um, where I noticed that the energy started coming from is meeting these really interesting people, growing my connection with them, helping them make other connections and having creating this sense of synergy, the sense of community, it really, really started to energize me. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I've always been this way. I've just been so hyper-focused on being an entrepreneur that I forgot. And I needed to rediscover that other part of myself that was there. It was just dormant. So the advice I would give to people is try to get some clarity and some more self-awareness into why is this project going to light you up? Why does it, why is it worth the time? Why is it worth the effort? If you, the more clarity you have on that, I think the better off you'll be with that, with maintaining that effort and that consistency and saying, yes, this is why I'm doing this. And this really matters to me. It brings joy to my life. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It feel, feels right. Yeah, I think it's so important, Gustavo, what you just mentioned about what uh, lights up in you. It's also about what you can light up in other people. Uh, I think, true, some people may not necessarily feel that way, but I think the majority of the people have that sense of that they are, in a way, a gift to other people. And I remember I still recalling that when I was very little, it's one thing to, at least for me, to open up a present, that feeling like, oh, that was so exciting. I'm I'm so eager to find out what's inside. But then until I was old enough and my parents kind of put me in that position when I was really young to create, either make something or to purchase something really small, a package and give it to somebody else. I just remember every time I watch someone, like, you know, even these days with watching Adam or watching you, where imagine you open up that tiny little box of chocolate, uh, that just drives tremendous amount of joy. But I think EDP is operating at a much, much higher level. We have thank you letters, love letters, and gratitude letters from uh, the guests themselves, their friends, people we have never heard from before, their parents, their siblings, their caregivers. Uh, how did it, do you remember any recent occurrences? You can mention by names or, or keep it anonymous, like any, any letter, any words that hit you hard in the past year? Probably too, too many to remember, but for me, um, well, just being invited to the board of directors of Omnium, that hit me really hard because I was doing the work anyways outside of the podcast to help connect them to people that were going to help them. It was just, it, it was a natural thing of, I really believe in what they're doing. I love these people and I want to see it succeed and I want to help. So 
to be invited into their family, into that circus, right? I'm a part of the circus now. I never thought in a million years I would be. It's, a, it's fantastic. But I was doing it not with that. I didn't have that intention in mind. It wasn't like, okay, I want to be a part of Omnium. I was just doing it because, like you said, of the joy of spreading their message of impact, the lives that they're going to impact for people with disabilities and people who are non-disabled is going to be game-changing in my opinion. And I, I just can't wait. I know that the first time we go and see the show together live, like I'm going to be holding back tears the whole time because it's going to be super emotional. Yeah, so true. I mean, we cry regularly at the regular uh, sort of uh, circus and to watch like women, young people uh, flying around and really challenging themselves. There is no easy act in circus, period. And now I see everyone with a visible or invisible disability being on stage. I think most of them do have a visible disability uh, is just an incredible thing to, I think anyone who watched the show will realize that we are actually limitless and there's so much we can do. Uh, I, I think it's just going to go, the impact is going to go beyond words. Yeah, but it's, it's a, it's a great question. And I think the other, the other thing that I've gained clarity on with the podcast is we had Christina Ryan on the show. She's an enormously successful disability rights activist in Australia. She's spoken at the UN. The work that the disability activists are doing is tremendously important. But there's an their their approach is we're gonna it's a we're fighting to get in the root, right? We're fighting to say we have a right, just as much of a right to be here as everybody else. It's tremendously important. My 20-year-old self really aligned with that way of thinking about things and being in the world. Meeting all these people and having all these great conversations has shown me that that's not where my heart is. Where I think we can all make an equally big impact is, okay, Seth Godin style, we're in the room now. What are we going to do? with this privilege and this opportunity of being in the room with all this other people? What space are we going to hold? What minds are we going to change? I do see it as an obligation for me. And I'm not saying it's a moral obligation or an ethical obligation for anybody else, but I see it as my obligation. Now that I'm in the room with you, how can I change your perception? of what a person with a disability is capable of. How can I change your attitudes? How can I make the next time you encounter somebody with a disability different, less awkward, more engaging? And what really drew me to both of you when we met in person several years ago at Altevier gathering was, Faye was, Faye, you're like super curious human being and you are, you're inquisitive by nature. You, you want to know. And I think when you approach people that way, like society today, we're so scared to do that. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to offend anybody. But when you come from a place of curiosity, genuine curiosity and inquisitiveness, 
I want to hold space for people like that. I want to learn about you just as much as you want to learn about me. And that's where the magic happens. And I think at Adam, you take a more cautious approach with people, but once you get to know them and you break through those barriers, you're the same way you want to know. And you have a very interesting perspective and way of helping people see the value that they bring to the table that I think very few human beings have that capacity. Thanks, man. No, wow. Adam, this is a very short answer, but we're all very touched here. And I think for people who can see us either on Spotify or listening to us elsewhere, uh, Gustav, we have a really, you have a very young energy, kind of that boyish, we think of you, you have a very kind of boyish energy to you that serves this line of work very well. And I appreciate you saying that you are willing and you're to hold that space for me because not everybody does, regardless of what we do, um, what we decided to do. And, you know, my encounter, I remember meeting BJ maybe months, just months before I, maybe a couple of months before I met you. And that was, uh, that was like a really interesting experience. It reminded me of how important this line of work is that I met you and met you on Zoom of all places. So uh, I was completely unaware of uh, you know, the disability you identify with or what PFFD even was, frankly, and never, and I saw this kind of a, abbreviation of what it is. And I, I looked it up and clearly they've just not, I remember not seeing a lot of study or explanation in depth about what it is. So I assumed I was just like, okay, you know, and you know, sometimes I hate to use the word. I was like, oh, you know, probably, I don't know if this is something significant. They can't really tell. And, and then meeting you in person, uh, it was that moment of, you know, seeing you, uh, to be quite frank, we can be, and that's a privilege, is then pretty quickly, we kind of forgot about it altogether. We're just people hanging out together. It's us three, plus Helena, who's not um, speaking, which probably should get her on the recording. We're actually sharing the conversation you two have as well. But I think what I realized um, with all four of us, including Helena, like we happen to be people like middle-aged people without children and watching your journey as well as my own journey, my own creative journey, but more so with yours, I realized that the concept of we're here on this earth to reproduce, to make babies, to create our own family, making it perfect. They go to the right people, go to the right school, marry the right people. This and that make enough money, live in the perfect house, have two and a half children and, and a dog. It changes that concept so drastically for me because I look at your community, people who have inter you have interviewed or otherwise. I, I see many of them as our children. I know we're like probably age-wise that won't work. I see them as our, our children. I see them as our siblings, like actual siblings, brothers and sisters, our mothers, people we care about that we don't need a label for. And I, I feel very strongly that many of them would choose to be with you for the rest of your your life. And we certainly will be there. And that's a really powerful thing for me to realize. Like, you know, we are maybe alone uh, at any point, but we're not lonely. You have built a network of friends and connections. And that's, and that's something that I learned. I mean, you told me that when you were trying to convince me to start the podcast, right? You, it was your journey of phase world and everything that it brought for you and all those connections and relationships and opportunities to do more of the work that mattered to you. Very true. And Adam has witnessed uh, both from the get-go. So Adam, what are your thoughts on uh, parallels or comparisons to 
face world versus EDP and uh, how has it impacted you uh, as a producer for both? Impacted me a lot. I guess the theme that I see is kind of a before and after, you know, before, so Faye and I uh, started face world maybe eight years ago and being so called on the inside, there are some differences. You know, we get to, to see performances, we get to hang out with certain people that have these incredible uh, life experience and just talk to them privately and say, hey, what was that like? You know, what is it like to hold a rope 100 feet in the air and your brother on the other hand? What is it like to negotiate somebody's life in a hostage crisis? But at the same time, it really is the same. You know, being on the inside and the outside really is the same. So what I wanted to turn around and kind of ask Gustavo was, Anytime I do something like you go to a party, you have an image, it's going to be like this and you get there and it's nothing like that. Uh, so to sort of share with people who might, might want to start a podcast or might want to become a, an interviewer or, or partner with these organizations, what that you've now found doing the work you do kind of with this journey is different than how you thought it would be so that other people who are trying to make that decision or trying to get ready can maybe be more encouraged or better prepared. I, well, my expectations were, I'm going to try this out, see if I like it. I'm going to see if this is something that I'm good at, see if this is something that I enjoy. And hopefully if I do, it's going to turn into something sustainable. So those were my baseline expectations. Um, your prediction, Adam, was, again, from the experience with Faye, was correct, which is the podcast is important and it's something that we want to nurture and grow and make sustainable, um, but it's going to lead to so many other connections and opportunities uh, that you're not even aware of. So you have to dedicate the time. You have to commit to that experiment. I think more than just five episodes or 10 episodes, I would say. So if you're doing a weekly podcast like we are, I'd say commit to three, three to four months of that and see what that looks like afterwards and then reevaluate. But if you're doing otherwise, it's not enough. There's not enough of a, a sample size, right? There's not enough experience to really know what doors are opening up, what, what relationships are we forming that are going to matter to us so much later on in life or throughout our journey? Give it a real opportunity first before stopping. That's, that's the main advice I would give. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a good time for me to share. So when Faye and I came to talk to Gustavo and then move forward to work with Gustavo and EDP, they weren't written down and they're not really formal, but we did have some sort of principles of things that we had found to be true from Faye's world over the years. And I think one of them is this idea of kind of a non-transactional, though that sounds kind of mechanical, giving of, of help or value or support. And just to say what it is that, you know, we go through our lives and we really do try to help the people on the podcast or the people served by the podcast and do these things. And we absolutely do not expect anything from those people. And we don't even really expect something from those people as a group. And it always happens. And I think when I say always, not from that one person. So we'll meet somebody and we'll like do whatever we can to, to take barriers out of their way or to bring them assets or to give them a new idea or new perspective. Um, and if that never brings anything back to us ever, 
deeply in my heart, that is absolutely fine. But what we found and what I told Gustavo, who, when he first heard it, was like, yeah, that sounds nice. But has, I think, you know, I could ask you, but has turned out to be true is you just keep doing that. And then big picture enough comes back that you can keep spending that time on it, uh, that you can, you know, whether it's emotional or financial or career wise, or, or having, you know, what Tony Robbins calls, used to call his kitchen cabinet, a bunch of people you can just call. You have, you know, if we have a question about something in palliative care, you know, BJ Miller, you have a question about negotiation, Chris Voss, Dory Clark for business. So there's a joy in that because I, I really, I'd say like, hate that whole, like multi-level marketing. I do this for you. You do that for me thing. Come to my house and I'll bake you a cake. And then you got to sell my Tupperware. I just don't like that. It doesn't feel good from any side, but this idea where you can get up in the morning and say, I'm going to spend this time. I'm going to help these people. Nothing comes back that fine. And then to realize, yeah, stuff does come back big picture that to sounds grandiose, but to live that way has been really joyful to sort of separate that gain from the effort. Uh, it's just, it's just a fun way to live and it's worked out well. Mm. So well said, I think it's so interesting. And I do want to kind of pique people's interest in terms of our growth as well, because a lot of people hear the word podcast and they think about downloads and how much money you're making. And, um, clearly we just stated, that's not the reason why we kind of lean into this. And, and frankly, this is such a, you know, we understand that disability is a sensitive topic and it wouldn't even feel right if we go in there and trying to work with only work certain brands, do things a certain way. We want to be open-minded. So um, lately, I think that, you know, I stopped noticing it. We stopped looking at the, the analytics. By the way, it's a really healthy thing to do. Uh, do not stare. It's like every, you know, there are people who get on the scale every single day and freak out and panic and self-criticize. Same thing if you look at your stats every day um, for your podcast is actually could be a, a detriment. So um, we looked at it very recently. We do it like quarterly or so. And we're very surprised by, you know, basically, uh, you know, right now, a few hundred downloads every, every listens every week. And we're thinking, wait a minute. I was like the math, you know, um, we only release like one episode a week. And these days it's hard to have hundreds of downloads per episode. Like who are really coming to, to listen to us? And every single week I see the top episodes of, wow, each week is, these are the top five. Last week, these three were the top five. So all the older episodes are still getting all the attention. So that was really intriguing to me. I'm not sure, you know, what you guys saw or felt when I sent that email. I felt, I felt uh, really good. I felt like, uh, wow, there's people. I think Steve Levitt from People I Mostly Admire, huge podcast. He actually mentioned it on a show recently. He said, there's so, there's so little there is some good data, but there's not enough. And it's really hard to tell what the listeners are engaging with and what they're not engaging with. It just doesn't break out that way with podcasts. Um, and you see it from who knows how many downloads they have, but I know it's way, way, way more than we do because they're a huge brand in, in the space. And he's seeing the same thing, which is we're not sure what we're doing right if the numbers generally are going up, that's a good sign that people are involved, engaged, appreciating it. And I do have three to five people who reach out to me every week that I know they listen to every episode or very close to every episode. And they're giving me feedback 
freely about, I really like this. This is what I liked about that episode. And that's super helpful. I would love it if more people did that. Yeah, as far as reaching out, that, I think it's a, a great time for me to kind of turn the camera on too and say to anyone listening, you know, what do you want to know about? Uh, or what what sorts of guests would you like to see? So I'll, I'll stop the list there. You know, the broadcasting, right? What do you do? You you cast out your words and your your feelings to this wide audience, but we want more coming back too. So, yeah, what do you want to hear? What do you want to know? What questions are you wrestling with? that we can engage with to kind of keep this year fresh and to know that we're serving those people that we may not have heard from. So I want to tease out some of the challenges as well, which is interesting, guys, which is what I have learned uh, that number one, this is a niche podcast. We want everybody to be interested and learn more about disability, but we're clearly aware that not everybody is or think this is a priority. Um, I think once people experience, whether they're loved ones, you know, have gone through an accident or a child is born, all of a sudden they, they need to learn something. It's a hot topic and they're all over. They'll find every resource they can. And I think what's interesting in the past year is that we learned a couple of things that um, accessibility is a great area because it was really challenging, if not impossible for us to uh, accommodate every single need because I realized how um, how basic we were, meaning not we as in consulting and marketing, always trying to build these com compliant websites and we're so proud of it. And I realized, oh my goodness, it, literally we're solving this problem for a few people or a few groups of people and that's it. So I think we kind of work towards that goal, but realize our own limitations. Um, so that's one area we can, we can talk about. The other is um, my observation of how just how nimble, how incredibly smart uh, our guests are. I had this fear of thinking in order for us to book a show, for instance, we do ask for a lot of information up front, your bio, your social media links. We want to help promote their work, whether our guests have written books or spoken somewhere. And then I didn't really think about the fact that it takes a little while to type things in, to look things up. Frankly, even for Phase World, I have a lot of guests who would just book the session and put a lot of NA, 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 NA. And then I have to chase them down and, and get the information. But the funny thing was, um, you know, not trying to be humorous on purpose, when we dropped that link in the uh, Abilities Lab and Expo, Ability Expo, we welcomed three to four quadriplegic guests to the show and they booked the session so quickly and they entered all the information correctly. I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised. And I think it taught me a lesson of thinking about the preconceptions that people had about oh, Asian people, Asian American. I think we all did have about people with a disability as a group, uh, as well as individual disability of what they're capable or not capable of doing. And I think we're wrong a lot of the times. Uh, and I, I realize a lot of the so-called able-bodied people have way more somehow, you know, maybe more mental challenges uh, or some other sorts that, that prevent them from achieving what they need to do. So my learnings. I like that, Faye, that thank you for sharing that. That's important. Um, I think we, we, we use It's easy to, it's, first of all, it's a great experience to see you have a certain set of expectations. Those expectations are surpassed and maybe the, maybe they're low or maybe they're not low but whenever they are surpassed 
at least you have the awareness to say like, wow, I was wrong about this. I learned something. I'm not going to carry those same set of expectations next time. Uh, and that's where I think part of the work is as people, just, we all have our biases. We all have our flaws. And when people surprise us to the good, we adjust those expectations. And the next time, the next approach that we have with another human being is better. Yeah, I would just add two cents. So that's a great uh, common back. I want to just said, I realized, I didn't realize that um, based on, you know, uh, I, I was proven that I could be wrong in many different situations, including face world and, you know, life from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But it's also very true that now whenever I am faced with a new situation or when I have doubts in certain things, I do quietly take a few, you know, breath and say, I could. I'm probably wrong about this. You know, I am absolutely op open and welcome to new opinions. This is an opportunity for learning and it's okay to be wrong, that it's really not a big deal. It's time to learn. Adam, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are a question for Gustavo. <laughs> so uh, in some sense, principles, all right, I got you, man. Where you, you know where for you to go. Um, <laughs> Principles are things that by definition don't change, right? Contribution, connection, respect, almost by definition are things that are always the same. But I'm curious as we sort of round out this year of, of EDP, of the podcast, what do you want to do differently? Or where, where do you see things going in a new direction for this year that's coming up? Great question. Um, I would like both of you to answer that question as well, because I think it's really cool to have the three of us on here. So the audience can hear how we're all thinking about it. And I think that's important to get a glimpse of our internal dialogue and how we see things. So I'll answer first, and then I would like you both to answer that question as well. Um, definitely more of a focus on the rehab centers. I think those are really some, they're doing some fantastic work. There's some medical professionals that have a very different perspective to how to talk to, how to treat, how to look at disability. Um, I think that's going to be huge. I do want to get into um, accessible gaming. There are a lot of gamers who have a disability who have not been given the opportunity to fulfill their potential and their skills and their challenges. Um, Microsoft just released product, I think maybe a year ago, that sort of is a good first step to bridging that gap, but there's a lot more work to be done there. And I think that's an interesting area to explore. Um, thirdly, I, I think we have some really great partners, people like Omnia and people like Kimberly Warner from Unfixed Media, people like, uh, I want to give a special shout out to Courtney Marsh. Um, the director of Chow, where I think we can explore different different ways to um, give people more career ideas, right? Like, how do you become a writer? How do you, what's the importance of writing for a living? How does that give you more independence? How do you become a creator, gain more independence that way? So I think those three areas are, have a lot of potential for helping helping more people. Very cool. Yeah. So I, I, I hadn't in a while thought about that individual level. We did speak about it a few months ago, um, but that's great to be reminded of. And yeah, you kind of stole my answer. 
in the sense of uh, partnerships or collaborations. And just to sort of sketch out and again, to call out to people who are listening or might know people out there, what might that look like? Just at the high level, it might be sharing their story. So to volunteer you, you know, Gustavo goes to rehab and uses this platform that we've built to share what they're doing or how, or who they want to reach or, or, or the message they want to send out. And then for you at kind of like a personal level, it might be either, as you mentioned me, and you'll, you'll bring it up when it's appropriate, sharing what you've learned as a person with a disability, who's, who's done all these things over these decades, informing or testing or giving feedback to, uh, whether it's devices or, or, uh, enablement, you know, uh, affordances or architecture, you know, building materials, different, different industries you've been in or learning, you know, maybe telling people stuff, you know, or maybe educating yourself say, oh, I, I want to learn more about universal design and then sharing, sharing your learning. So, uh, we've talked to financial institutions who are doing special things with their employees, with their stakeholders around disability and inclusion. So it's, it's, you know, synergies overused and we all, I think we, I think all of us love the meme from Silicon Valley about synergy, but somebody's out there and, and they kind of need us to make it better and we need them to make it better. And that's kind of what Omnium was. And that's kind of, um, you know, what phase world and, and my tech work and, and EDP is putting these things together and kind of having that explosion. So again, a call out to people out there who feel like, oh, if, if we work together, we would have almost everything in place to really do something bigger. I think that's now that we've, it's got to keep building. Now we've built this platform to a point that that would be exciting for, for things to happen in the upcoming year, more of those collaborations and, and uh, partnerships. I think partnerships and collaborations are so key to every single creator and frankly, every single business and, and human being. But I noticed that, uh, Gustavo, that you have a very natural gift in making these introductions because people think it's a trivial thing. It's really not, right? And we had many years of experience and, you know, I'm, for me as an immigrant, you know, I don't think I'm shy by nature, but just speaking a second language or not looking like everybody else in a certain domain that could set me back a little bit naturally. But I realize it's a skill because Gustavo, what you have done is to not just mush people together, push people together to say, get this for free, or why don't you work for that person that you do something with what we call double opt-in. So you do have to, you know, check in with a couple of people to make sure that they understand what they're, you know, getting, you know, what's in it for them versus what is the nature of this collaboration where there's just saying hello. And um, I frankly notice a lot of people have so many connections, but they avoid these introductions or avoid being the, the person to help the other two or three people meet because it's a lot of work, what I just said, right? It doesn't just happen naturally. You have to put the right people in the same room where else people can be pissed off sometimes. So what, what, how do you feel? Like teach us, uh, teach us or, or the listeners a lesson on how do you identify two needs, uh, the needs and the right people to be brought in the room together? And what do you do if you like say, make a mistake? Again, it's not a big deal where people are not really a right fit. Like, what do you do from there? Just curious. Well, I learned, I learned the double opt-in from Adam. Uh, I, I think I did that naturally most of the time, but there were definitely times in the pure audio video life cycle where I didn't do that. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And so Adam kind of codified double opt-in. This is why you do it. 
You do it to make sure that the two people who are meeting want to meet, that it's the right time for them to meet, and that you kind of lay the groundwork of, here's why I think you both would be a great fit with each other and could explore some collaboration. So it takes thought. It's the thought process of, oh, I'm not connecting this person because they're a, they're a billionaire and this other person isn't, and you know they have a business idea. That just doesn't work most of the time. You're trying to think through how can both of these people collaborate or meet each other and do something together that would benefit both of them and that they're both interested in. So it takes thought, it takes practice, and it takes the, the time to think it through and make sure that it's going to work. Yeah, I had one come back as a no to me that I think is worth sharing. It was, was actually kind of fun in retrospect, even though it was embarrassing for a couple seconds. So totally agree with Gustavo about the thoughtfulness. And then there comes that find out time, right? You have to actually go, go check whether it's real. So I met a gentleman, God, it was probably almost 20 years ago, who works in Hollywood. He's done a bunch of stuff. I don't want to identify him, but he's done a bunch of cool stuff. And then I met somebody else who's in the same industry. And the first guy was like, oh my God, my favorite TV show was X. It's the best. I love that show more than anything. And I was like, wait a minute. I know somebody who works on that TV show X. So I did the double opt-in. And I reached out to the, to the first gentleman. I was like, because when you talk to the first person, you don't say who the second person is. So this, there's no downside. I said, you know, I know someone who works in that show. They're awesome. And I'd just love to put you guys together. And the guy wrote back. He's like, I hate those. He's like, I, even after, and that was cool. That's what I need to know. He's like, I found those things awkward and weird. So of course I felt physically bad for like a couple of minutes. And then I was really glad I did it because I would have bet anything that this would have been like my greatest achievement of introductions. And he was like, no way. I was like, wow, okay. So you, you, you got to think about it and then you got to just find out. Yeah, it's such a, it's such an art. And it's something that I think all three of us enjoy doing so much because we see magic happen, right? Like I'd see you, Gustavo, talking, into, uh, talking to Kimberly Warner. Then the next thing you know, you're, you're in her documentary, in her video series. And then you and her and, you know, someone else joined uh, this conference, a livable conference. And it just, the synergy is accumulative in a really beautiful way. And then you never know what's going to come out of that. And, you know, Courtney Marsh is another example who was nominated for, uh, nominated, I think, an Oscar nominee. Uh, and you just, you know, you hit it up. So it just, it's incredible. I can't even really describe what it is. But it's even without someone very in a very straightforward way to point out this day, this thing happened where this is going to happen, or this is how much money you're going to make. This is where you're going to be famous. Fortune five. None of that really matters. I think what happens with being a creator for what I can see from you, from my own work is that it really grounds you and really make you pay attention to this moment. Um, none of us is on our phone right now. I always mention this. We're all busy. Adam probably have to peel off very soon. We should probably wrap this up so he can start working again. But for the 45 minutes that we have together, this is it. This is our world. Like the three of us really matter. Nothing else really does. Um, yeah. Final thoughts, guys. I mean, so th there's one thing I'm not sure we can always edit this out if it doesn't work. So um, I'm going to say something a little bit uh, sensitive, 
I have noticed when we have made some introductions in the past that when we are introducing one person who has a disability to somebody who doesn't or to a group of people who don't, um, there has been a little bit of uh, tr more trepidation or a little bit less interest or kind of like, a, why are you interested, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Non-Disabled Person in helping the disability community? And I would like to encourage people like me who have a disability to not think that way, mm -hmm. um, to be open to the possibility that there are plenty of human beings out there who are non-disabled, who are curious, who aren't interested, who do want to help or who do have something to bring to the table and that it's okay to be cautious, but it shouldn't stop you from exploring those opportunities and those connections. I, this is such an important point and it absolutely needs to be kept in this episode because you touch upon something that's so uh, important that we should continue the conversation probably next week or something. There's needs to be a part two on that is, um, you know, vice versa. Like I, I noticed that there's a, always a risk. There's like a hesitation of uh, somebody without a visible disability trying to get into, we're trying to learn more. And sometimes it's a, it can be an awkward situation, right? Like people, the, the moment, sometimes I mention unable disabled podcast, I'm a producer. I'm so cool. I, I love just for a moment, they just look at me. It's like, you know, they're just like, oh, is there something that Faye has that we just didn't know about? I just, I think that moment is kind of funny, which I, you know, I do. I I do recognize as someone with an invisible, invisible disability and, you know, we don't have to go on and on about this, but, you know, we, we do. And, um, and then that's fascinating to me. And I really, I used to have to come up with an excuse and I don't anymore. And my mom reminded me that ever since I was in elementary school, possibly kindergarten, but I remember more clearly elementary school, middle school, high school. And um, there's always uh, at least one or two of my really good friends, uh, you know, had a disability. And to be honest, like I know growing up in Beijing back in the 80s and 90s were very different places. You know, it's a very different place now, culturally and everything. But uh, a lot of the kids with a disability, they were very isolated, especially in, in elementary school. They were absolutely bullied. And... I always remember feeling very, very wrong about that. And a lot of these uh, people that I recall are all girls, you know, imagine that. And they just remember like they had such strong feelings. They were crying. Actually, two, both of them were mentally challenged, but they were crying. I just remember, wow, you know, they're, they're human beings. They have feelings that you are hurting actively and on purpose. And, um, you know, it left such a scar. I think in all our hearts to, to realize that you have to stand up uh, to this. And I did. And then as a result, you know, that's how uh, we became friends. And so I, 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 I don't think for this part, I don't really like the book Lean In, but I think in this situation uh, that we need to lean into it and, and kind of lean into the mystery because it's not, we're all just simple, plain human beings. And um, that's all. all, right? It's a little long-winded than I, I was expecting. <laughs> but, but, that, but Faye, we should explore that more. It is important. Um, and there's things that we can say about Hollywood and there's things that we can say about, you know, who can speak for whom and who can creatively 
you know, can somebody who doesn't have a disability write a part convincingly of a, of a character who does have a disability? I think there's a lot of good things that we can say there that need to be said. Um, as I look at somebody like Courtney, who is non-disabled, who actually never had any friends or people that she knew growing up who were, she travels to Vietnam when she's 20 to shoot at film, encounters this rehab center, right? Where essentially orphan kids who have a disability or who have been because partially because they've been, they've been exposed to Agent Orange. And she completely leans in and dedicates five years of her life to telling this story. We should celebrate that. We should celebrate people like you. We should celebrate people like Adam. We should celebrate people like Courtney who do give us, who do show like the empathy and the imagination and the creativity to see other people who are different as human beings, just like, just like we see ourselves. Absolutely. Adam, final thoughts from you? One of us and me following on from what I appreciate that Gustavo said, for me to, uh, quickly, so back in college, there was a guy and he taught deaf kids. I don't know what he taught them, but he, you know, goes running around with them and doing stuff. And I remember thinking, oh, this is such a different kind of guy. This is a different sort of person, like some kind of little miniature Mother Teresa thing. And then fast forward many decades, uh, for me, I think it was uh, Taekwondo and Tony Robbins, right? The two you know, Taekwondo instructors and learning from Tony that put me in a place where I'm like, yeah, of course I can do this. And this is comfortable. And, and frankly, it's fun. So I don't know why it took me so long, but what I will say is it's a big deal. And at the same time, it's really not a big deal. Everybody's different. Really, everybody's the same. So if you're on that earlier side of thinking that working with a not-for-profit or working with somebody who's very different from you in some way that might even make you feel weird for a little while, it's a big deal. It's really not a big deal. Uh, you will just, you know, kind of jump in. You will find out it's really, it's the same. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. mm. It's so cool, guys. I'm so glad we did this and I would definitely want to do it again. Um, yeah, Gustavo, close us out, if you would, please. Professional <laughs> broadcaster. Uh, no, I think I think we should leave it off. For, Adam just spoke beautifully. We're all different and we're all the same and we have to, keep reminding ourselves of that and putting ourselves in situations where we give ourselves the opportunity to experience that, right? To see people the way they want, the way they see themselves or to, to listen, to create that space of empathy. Uh, it's, it's just so important. And I go back, you know, let, let's wrap it up with Seth Godin. Faye, Faye, you and I met because of Seth. We did the Alt MBA together. Then we were introduced to Adam. And there is a human being who has realized that and who lives it every day. And he didn't have to. And he created this enormous community where people just try to see each other as they are and connect and learn from each other. And it's a beautiful thing. And hopefully one day we can all we're continuing that tradition in a way, and hopefully we can keep growing and keep impacting more people and making that change. People like us do things like this. You don't need permission from anybody else. If you feel weird, be weird, stay weird, and do great things. Perfect. <laughs>